to the Gridiron Show and just a day away from playoff football, we're going to be speaking with London-born Jay Ajayi and previewing all four of this weekend's games. Who will go through? You've been letting us know your thoughts on Twitter. Gridiron's Matt Sherry joins myself and Ollie to discuss all four of the games and all of the news going on around the NFL. What a show. This is the Gridiron Show. Well, Gavin, Ollie Hunter, back in the front room, back doing a little cheeky recording. I'm sorry, I know I'm not really allowed to say that word. Ahead of the uh, ahead of the wildcard weekend, Ollie, very excited for playoff football. I'm sure you're more excited than I am, purely on the basis that your team are actually there. And since we've established that you're still a 49ers fan, and I can confirm that Will is sat in front of me, in a Frank Gore training jersey. I forgot. I totally even forgot I was wearing this today. Um, you've also got something in your beard, which I've decided to leave until... <laughs> <laughs> Where am I looking? Just just there. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. there. No, no, no. It's still there. Still, no, to the left. To the left. To the left. Oh, it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Thanks. So great. That, <laughs> great radio, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, listening to The Gridiron Show, thank you for joining us. As always, tweeting us at Gridiron uh, on Twitter and getting in touch with your thoughts ahead of this weekend's games. Today we're going to be speaking with London-born Jay Ajayi, ahead of the Dolphins' trip to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Back in week five, he ran for 204 yards and two touchdowns against the Steelers. A similarly big day might see the Dolphins through, let's be honest, to face the Patriots in what would be their knockout of the playoffs. But that's fine. You know, it's more than the Dolphins could have expected. I enjoyed the Adam Gase uh, interview with uh, Peter King. If you've not heard that yet, well worth going and checking out. Loads to talk about with Jay Ajayi. And coming up shortly, Matt Sherry, the editor of Gridiron, is going to be joining us to discuss all four of those games. There's lots of bits of news for us to get into before we get to that. So, uh, Ollie, how are you, buddy? I'm all right. Your, um, your TV has gone on sort of like screensaver mode and it's got it's just it's beautiful loads of vistas of places yeah i mean that's to do with the fact that it's uh i've got it on the cody box at the moment because i was watching back some of the games from last week still catching up on all the football that i missed while i was in portugal and it's gone into screensaver mode and these are what we're enjoying so i could put the little fire on as well if you want off netflix and we could sit in front of that because my real fire is too loud to have on while we're recording so you have to sit there in the cold no i like this this is good this is nice yeah it's um where's that i I feel like look at that i feel like that mars i I feel like you're finding it way too distracting it's really distracting actually it's really (laughs) distracting oh look that that's sorrento that's that must be italy um sorry once again uh, the visuals that i are on this uh, on this podcast are not working for the people that are listening uh, apologies will how are you i i'm really well mate i uh, absolutely excellent i uh, have you acclimatized back in England. It's bloody cold here. That's the one thing I have noticed. Uh, I've got I not back in work till Saturday. So yesterday I uh, I went to the cinema. 
I watched Assassin's Creed on the new super screen at Wandsworth. I Terrible mean, film, great screen. I was going to say, is the screen better than the film? <laughs> much, much better than the film. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I've just been getting some prep done for our Super Bowl party, uh, getting some tickets sorted, selling some VIP packages, making sure the bowling's all available. So as we were talking about on the last show, gridiron-magazine.com forward slash Super Bowl LI, an actual in-air forward slash Super Bowl LI, uh, to go and get your tickets for that, or just go to at Gridiron on Twitter to find out all the information. And of course, if you're planning to go out and watch some playoff football, or if you're planning a trip for next year, go and chat to Ben Mortimer from Touchdown Trips. They will tailor the very best possible trip for you and make sure you get it at the very best price. Uh, We're big fans of Touchdown Trips. Go to touchdowntrips.com or Touchdown Trips on Facebook to find out the latest. And I'm sure we'll be talking to Ben later in the playoffs as we build up to Super Bowl week. All very exciting. Oh, yeah. Can't wait. Yeah, uh, and we're starting, we're starting to line up some interviews for the Super Bowl as well now for Radio Row. Ooh. So things are starting to come together. It's all getting... We're, you, you understand that we are uh, like four and a half weeks away from the Super Bowl. It's amazing, really. It's less, isn't it? Uh, I, well, I, yeah, it's four weeks and two days until the Super Bowl is actually happening. I better book time off work. Have you really not booked it off? I've told people I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> but... <laughs> I, I think I only need to give two weeks' notice, so maybe I'll just stuff them up. That is absolutely superb. Um, right, let's go again some of the news that's going on around the NFL at the moment, and then we'll get into the games. We'll be joined by Matt Cherry from Gridiron to do that. Uh, but let's start off with uh, news last night coming out of uh, the NFL that Randy Gregory is going to be suspended for at least one year. Uh, defensive end suspended for uh, violating the NFL's policy uh, for substances of abuse, effectively banned from the league until he is reinstated by the NFL. The earliest he can apply for reinstatement is November the 6th next year. Well, this year. Well, we're in 2017 already. So November the 6th next season. Um, some positive news with the Cowboys that Jalen Smith is saying he's going to be ready to go for 2017. He basically feels ready to go now, but understands why they wouldn't risk him for the playoffs. So it's kind of one-in, one-out situation. But Randy Gregory is surely entirely done. They need a substance abuse task force in the NFL. Going around teams and explaining why they shouldn't, these guys shouldn't be taking drugs. <laughs> it's just I, mad. I just don't understand. Uh, missing a full year, I, I, I just don't understand why teams ever bring somebody back at that point. Yeah, because, I mean, we saw it with Josh Gordon. Um, I, I, okay. With with other with other players, it it can work at that time to go away and rehabilitate. But this is his third suspension in in a year. It's ridiculous. It's yeah. ridiculous. He should be done. Drafted uh, back in not last season. I, I keep forgetting it's twenty seventeen. Not last year. The year before's draft, a second round pick. If he's not done in the league overall, he's definitely done as a cowboy. Um, he recorded his first career sack over these last couple of games. Eight total tackles while he did make appearances in week sixteen and seventeen. But yeah, I'm, if I'm a GM, I don't know why I'm taking a risk. The talent level versus getting a third suspension within two years of being in the league just doesn't feel worth it to me whatsoever. A couple of coaching hirings, and well, firings. No hirings happening quite as of yet. But Washington have decided to have a bit of a shake-up. At this point of the season, they fired defensive coordinator Joe Barry and two assistants, that's defensive line coach Rob Akey and Bax. Aid Perry Fuel on Thursday. The team also parted ways with head strength and conditioning coach Mike, coach Mike Clark. Now, I mean, in terms of the performance of the uh, of the 
defence. The issue was the lack of takeaways, didn't generate a takeaway in four of their final six games, but they're um, being heavily linked with the Panthers' defensive backs coach, uh, whose name has completely escaped me now, and I'm going to live Google it as we speak, Steve Wilkes. Um, Guess who they've got in Washington, who Steve Wilkes has worked with in the past? Josh Norman. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not suggesting they're hiring him as a defensive backs coach, as a, as a defensive coordinator, just to work with Josh Norman. But he is someone who has priors with the superstar off that defense and therefore seems like he might be a decent fit. Um, I mean, the defensive backs in Carolina really didn't perform this season, as we saw throughout the year. So uh, he's not, he's hardly sparkling uh, after the last six or so months. But. They were brilliant the year before that, especially considering that they are. They always have been a bunch of guys off the street. Josh Norman, they're a team who spend big on their front seven and not big on the back end. And he has drawn some brilliant performances out of some no-name guys over the past two or three years. It'll be interesting to see how he steps up, if he is the guy. And it does seem like he is going to be the guy by the sounds of it. Yeah, I mean, he he comes from good pedigree, good stock. And with what Josh Norman did for um, for the Panthers last season, 2015-16 uh, season, it kind of it feels like it would be a good fit, and you can sort of build the rest of your defense. And he knows Josh, or as I know him as Josh, uh, he knows Norm. <laughs> he knows Norman. Norm. You build your def- your your defensive <laughs> backs behind him, around uh, him. Sorry. Uh, and then overnight, Saints uh, t- made a firing. They got rid of Joe Vitt, who obviously uh, Joe Vitt's a bit of a legend, but. Um, uh, linebacking coach, assistant head coach, Joe Vitt. They got rid of defensive line coach, Bill Johnson, special teams coordinator, Greg McMahon. So they are making changes. I, I, I would, it suggests to me that if they're making these changes, that Sean Payton has probably committed his future to the Saints in conversation with them. He said that publicly in press conferences. I'd be intrigued if a team did come to them with a blockbuster trade offer, whether or not Sean Payton would consider going. But I look at the... I mean, we talked really extensively about the head coaching positions in the last show. The fact that there are six teams who are head coach needy might lead to somebody being willing to go and throw money at Sean Payton. But actually, uh, I, I... I think there are enough good candidates out there that if the teams really do their due, due, due diligence, they go and they interview six, seven, eight, nine, ten people, and they really dig deep on it. They will find somebody of note where they don't have to go and spend draft picks. And particularly when you consider some of the teams like the Rams, who have been linked with Payton, don't have draft picks because they drafted up for crap QBs, then... I, it's. It, I think he'll. I think he'll probably be in New Orleans still. I. I actually think New Orleans need the shakeup. I think after ten years there, and yeah, they have had what two deep playoff runs, including the Super Bowl, but they have had the same issues year after year after year on the defensive side of the ball. And unless he's going to appoint an absolutely blockbuster defensive coordinator, um, then I. Um, I, I think actually maybe the Saints could do with the change. Why aren't we seeing? many coaches from college being touted for any of these jobs. David Shaw has been linked with a lot of jobs. The Stanford head coach, I get the impression that he isn't interested in stepping up to the NFL quite yet. Obviously we know the level of success with the last Stanford head coach to come to the NFL. Jim Harbaugh took the 49ers to three consecutive NFC championship games, a Super Bowl. uh, And David Shaw has had similar levels of success in Stanford and seems to be a guy who would work at the top level. And the, and the other big name has been Nick Saban, but 
Nick Saban's been linked with a move to the NFL every single season for the for however many years now. And, you know, I, I don't know whether he's the man to come up and take that risk again. He gave it a shot before. It didn't work out. He's up there in the top two college coaches of all time. You've got a pretty cushy job that you're well paid for and you do a good job of it. I don't know why, unless it's about pride or unless it's really the right opportunity. You know, if, if Denver came in for Nick Saban, maybe he'd go... Right, I can take that roster, build the offensive side of the ball, or that's not what he's known for, but you know, and, and he's already got what what and, he is known for, that defense. And and go and win a Super Bowl. But why he'd take the 49ers job for anything other than prestige, or unless he wants to prove himself, mm. it, it doesn't make sense to me. Same with think, the Rams, same with think, I mean, um, the Chargers mess. Do you think owners and GMs have been put off by the Chip Kelly experiment which failed? I don't know if the Chip Kelly experiment did did fail. That's my problem. Two ten and six seasons back to back. Two firings. Yes, yes he was. He they made the massive mistake of giving him control of the front office as well as the coaching side of it, and that was a big issue. And then he was on a hiding to nothing the moment he went to San Francisco. That was his failed experiment rather than San Francisco. Okay, yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah. So I um, yeah, I, uh, it's a contentious one. That one. Uh, I loved this. Tyreek Hill has cost. Uh, costs uh, Marcus Sherrills of the Vikings $100,000. With his kickoff return in the game against the Chargers, the 95-yard touchdown, uh, Sherrills had played in the earlier games. He was leading the NFL in punt average, has a bonus of $100,000 in his contract if he leads the NFL on average punt returns. And then with that one return, Tyreek Hill leaps above him and costs Sherrills $100,000. He's great, isn't he, Tyreek Hill? A little bit special. A little um, bit special. We'll talk about him a lot next week when we talk about the Chiefs going into the, uh, going into the um, uh, divisional round. Not the divisional round. What's between the wild card and the... <laughs> no, it is the divisional round. It's and the then the championship. I, don't, I really don't know why I, I forgot that, but there we go. <laughs> Did you see that um, Adam Vinatieri's field goal miss cost him $500,000? Really? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, uh, let's have a look at it here. Oh, it doesn't say. Well. Oh, um, it's uh, he ends the season with an eighty-seven percent versus a ninety percent, which would have triggered him a bonus. <laughs> so what? That one kick. Well, I mean, it was all the other kicks that he missed as well. But uh, that is a big bonus, especially for a kicker to miss out on. That is amazing. Absolutely love that. There was uh, one other story that caught my eye, Ollie, and this might be the perfect point to bring in Gridiron's uh, Matt Sherry on this one. Did you see the Jim Kelly interview on ESPN Insiders? No. He said some pretty... I mean, the stuff about Tyrod Taylor is interesting and it's worth a second conversation, but he was asked what was needed to end the Bills' playoff drought of 17 years, the worst in the NFL, haven't been there this millennium, and he simply said, for Tom Brady to retire... And that seems like a point to bring in Smug, Matt Sherry. Hey, Matt. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Yo. Yeah, very well, mate. Very well, indeed. Uh, Tom Brady retiring anytime soon? I don't think so. Jim Kelly hopes so, doesn't he? But um, no, I'm not sure that's going to be the case. You need to give Bills fans some hope. Come on. He's not going to is he? I don't think they're going to have to carry around a fox around a wheelchair at some point. He's, I don't see it happening anytime soon. <laughs> Well, look, we're going to talk Patriots when we, um, when we get to the, uh, the shows next week and preview those games. We've got the four games this weekend. What order would you like to do them in, gents? Well, should we do chronological order, which also means we start with the worst and end with the best? Yes, let's do that. Let's do that. That's why pe- that way people have to listen all the way to the end. <laughs> they have to listen to Sherry all the way to the end. Guys. Great producing, Ollie. Top stuff. Uh, well, let's start off with Raiders at Texans then. Uh, this is, 
there's only one of the four games this weekend that hasn't been played already this season. Uh, Raiders-Texans uh, was, of course, in Mexico, finished 27-20 to the Raiders. Actually, for me, one of Osweiler's best games of the year, despite the lasers in his face. They were 17-13 down in the fourth quarter, the Raiders, but bounced back in that one. But, of course, all the conversation ahead of this one, and I'll go to Matt Sherry first, is going to be Connor Cook versus Brock Osweiler. Can Connor Cook carry the Raiders to a playoff victory? I don't think so. I think the, I think the Texans are a little bit underrated, to be honest. I, I think we had a discussion last night, didn't we, Will, where I think Bill O'Brien's won nine games in every season this year, with, in, in every season he's been there, with some of the worst quarterbacks playing in the league. And I think they're going to be much better coached than... Than Auckland. The only worry, Ed, I'm just thinking there that you were right about that being Osweiler's best game, but is that because he was used to playing at altitude more so than the other players on the field? Well, I, I mean, <clears throat> starting off with the, with the Connor Cook thing, first quarterback in the Super Bowl era, era to start his first ever game in the postseason. I went back and, and yesterday watched uh, the Raiders-Broncos game. I really treated myself by doing that. God, it was bleak. But there's a lot to him that suggests he could be a good quarterback in the NFL. Made a couple of real, real wow throws. Looks like he has a good arm, but every rookie issue you could imagine is there. Slow to read the field. I, I think there's going to be a lot of spread passing, which is something they've not done a huge amount in the past. Couldn't make any connection on intermediate routes. Had the two fumbles and the interception. If, if the Raiders have any chance of winning this, it, they are going to need to be incredibly physical up front. They're going to need to dominate a Texans defensive line who have been so good this year and they need the run game and play action to really work for them and with Donald Penn also not practicing I, I the Raiders offensive line is in there in the top two or three in the league but I just feel like they're coming up against the Texans side who at home seven and one limiting teams to 16 points a game it just feels like the very worst situation they could be walking into yeah, it is, a, it is a nightmare. The, the one thing they have in their favour is, is a really underrated running game. And they've got Latavius Murray, Jalen Rashad and DeAndre Washington. Three guys who they really rotate in and out. And they've, they've got a great offensive line. And, and you have to think that the needs of that, although I think Donald Penn is, is struggling, isn't he, the left tackle. But you have to think that they need to look at it like the Cowboys do, and that's a, a dominate time of possession game. Run the ball on first and second down, get it into third and manageable play action and and all those things. But they need to do that to almost a perfect level, I think, to win against... As I say, I think, I think the Houston team is a little bit underrated. Um, and and the, the issue for me is that the, re, the weakest unit of the four units, and this is impressive given how weak the two offences are, I still think is the Oakland defence. And, and you, you think that one team has a very strong unit, and it's that Houston defence. And, and you, I think in the end that will be the determining factor in the game. I don't want to talk about Brock Osweiler. Um, Connor Cook, what kind of quarterback is he? Will, you saw uh, uh, most of that game, the Broncos-Raiders um, game. Matt, if you remember back to his his college year last year, what kind of quarterback is Connor Cook? Yeah, he's, he's got a really good arm, to be honest. He was one of those guys who who I thought would, would be drafted in kind of the second, third round range. And he, and he, he ended up... Did he slip to the fifth round in the end? No, it wasn't. Well, no, he, it wasn't he, was, he went fourth round because... He, he, went, yeah, he, he went before Dak Prescott, didn't he? Yeah, he went just before Dak Prescott yeah. because the Cowboys tried to trade up to get Connor Cook 
failed, then Dak Prescott fell into their lap. Basically, Jerry Jones fluked his way to Dak Prescott, having tried desperately to trade up to get both Paxton Lynch and Connor Cook. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And it, I, I really, I did like him. I mean, there was a lot of talk about the fact that he wasn't a captain at Michigan State, and 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 that kind of seemed to hurt his draft stock a bit. But I'd, he was a good player in college. He played in some big games in college as well, which is obviously something that you're going to be looking for in this kind of short turnaround situation. You, you're kind of better off with a guy like that than a guy who, who's played middle-of-the-road college football. He's played at the, the highest level of college football when he was at Michigan State. So that should stand him in good stead. But, I mean, it, it's a huge ask. I'd, He's got a good arm and he's got he's got some weapons. So and there's not a lot of tape on him. So you think that if he's going to win any game, it will be the first one. And the thing is, is they didn't run the ball well against the Broncos. And obviously, I mean, the Broncos' defense is much vaunted, and we loved it a lot last year. But actually, they've not been good against the run this season. And it, the fact is, is once Connor Cook was in, they were able to completely single out the run game and, and close it down because they didn't expect him to be able to throw it. Um, I, I, coming back to the kind of the other side of it, the Houston offense against the Oakland defense, because you've said you think that's the weakest unit of the lot, but that Mexico game, the Oakland went kind of. Uh, I think I'm specifically thinking of them going against Osweiler than against that offense because they went too deep and then got their corners to press really hard on the line against Will Fuller, against DeAndre Hopkins, who are two guys who have incredible speed but actually don't separate well at all. Their burst isn't necessarily good. Their their burst out of uh, cuts isn't particularly strong. Um, So actually, if you press them off the line, you force Osweiler to make very tight window very aggressive throws and he's just not that kind of like everything I've seen for him no accuracy I don't see field vision I, I think his delivery isn't particularly strong I, I, I don't think he goes outside the numbers very well you know they've got the fewest number of touchdowns of any team in the playoffs since 19 since the uh, NFL expended 16 games in 1978 no playoff team has had as few as 25 touchdowns and so I think this could be an ugly game I'm taking the Texans based on their defensive unit, but I just think that you've got three very weak units and then the Texans defense. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's exactly what what I was thinking. I, I actually think Osweiler gives gives the Raiders a chance. Tom Savage has barely played in the NFL, but he can actually operate that offense. And, and most importantly, what Osweiler isn't willing to do is utilize their best weapon. As you mentioned, DeAndre Hopkins doesn't separate However, he is a guy that if it's one-on-one coverage and he, he's covered, you can still throw the ball in that direction knowing that he almost certainly comes down with it. And Tom Savage was willing to do that. The problem is as well that with Hopkins not separating, timing becomes so much more important. And it's a timing-based offense anyway, which is why Hopkins has generally been successful in that offense. And, and Savage knows the offense. He can get the ball out quickly. Osweiler holds onto the ball for too long, but... I think Oakland's defense has given up more yards to play than any defense in the NFL, and that to me is the most important stat for a defense. It, it's just outside of Khalil Mack, it, it, it's just a defense that's a lot worse than the sum of its parts because there's a lot of talent on it, but they just don't play to that level. Ollie, is there anyone who doesn't want the Raiders to win? Texans fans, yeah, <laughs> outside of outside of Texans 49ers fans, fans? <laughs> who have tweeted us saying. 
We'll progress. Uh, we owe them uh, for Mexico and the Raiders bandwagoners are almost as bad as the Cowboys ones. But outside of Texans UK, uh, I can't see why anyone... Like, the Raiders have been a great story this year. And uh, Derek Carr going down has been genuinely devastating to the AFC playoff picture overall. I'd love the Raiders to pull it out, but as I've said already, I'm very much picking the Texans against the quarterback making his first start on the road against a good defence. Yeah, and that's... I actually do want the, the Texans to win. Largely oh, because, think, boo, Matt Sherry. Of course he does. I'm turning you does. down. I want to uh, hear what Ollie has to say. Ollie, tell us what you have to say. Uh, uh, Sherry cut me off. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Bring him back. The disgrace. <laughs> Go on. Why do you want the Texans to win, Sherry? Because looking ahead to the, to the following week, I, I think the Houston defence could at least make the, the New England game relatively interesting. If, if the Patriots play the Raiders next week, they're, they're going to beat them by about 40 points. Um, I, I just... I'm looking at the divisional round is always my favourite week of the year for NFL football. And I'd like that, fair, that Patriots matchup to be as competitive as it can possibly be. Yeah, we all want to see the Patriots lose, Sherry. That's understandable. But <laughs> Do you think there are more people that want to see the Texans lose than the Patriots lose, or vice versa? I mean, I want to see the best football possible. And I understand that that involves the Patriots. So I probably want to see the Patriots in the uh, oh, title in the, game yeah. more than I want to see okay. the Texans in the divisional round. But, you know, I there we go. Uh, let's see what people... Uh, Ollie, who are you picking? I've got the Texans. Matt Sherry, who are you taking? Texans. Yeah, I think that's a, a clean sweep. Texans all round. Uh, let's see what people are saying on Twitter. Phil Spooner says Texans against quarterback, making his first start in a pro game. Uh, on the road uh, in a playoff game. Raiders because Texans are garbage, says Scott Campbell. Could be shocking. Michael Chaintree, I imagine he might be a uh, Texans fan. Uh, he says, uh, he, I'm a Raiders fan. He says Raiders. Mark Budden says Raiders. Quite a few people picking the Raiders. I don't know if that's heart overhead. Um, uh, Tom Knight says Texans over Raiders. Number one D, too good for Cook. Texans running game enough to win a tight one. FYI, I want the Raiders to win. So everyone kind of feeling the way we're feeling, but I think we're going to be taking the Texans in this one. Uh, should we move to the Saturday night game, the late game, the Detroit Lions at the Seattle Seahawks? It's the only non-rematch of the weekend. And Ollie, I'm going to start with you. Can the Lions go into Seattle and win this one? The Lions have been far more... Well, uh, apart from that, those two defeats against or three defeats against three very good teams, playoff teams. Uh, the Lions have been pretty consistent uh, in coming back in the fourth quarter this season. Matt Stafford's had, up until those three games, uh, sort of uh, people were talking about him as in the MVP race, very loosely, albeit. And the, the thing with the Seahawks is they are streaky. They only just you managed... Really, you really buy into the streaky thing. Well, how are they not, not streaky? <laughs> they are. Whenever you think they're just about to, to go on a run, they end up losing. They did it two or three times this season. They barely managed to get past you lot. I know Seattle had already qualified the, for the playoffs, but the 49ers aren't a good team, and they scraped past them. So... If, I mean, that's, this that's, is the best time for the Lions to be playing the Seahawks. I think there's two areas of concerns for the Seahawks for me and two areas where the, where the Lions can go and win this. The first thing is that Seahawks defense, you mentioned it, they gave up 38 points to the Packers, 34 points to the Cardinals. Very lucky to beat the 49ers. I don't think Stephen Terrell in free safety in Seattle's kind of normal, normal cover three defenses 
anything like the quality which they had from Earl Thomas, obviously. But he can be exploited. Uh, possibility they become more man-to-man, a bit more physical on the defence. But the other thing is that I think that Seahawks O-line it, with George Fant at left tackle with a fade at right guard... Ziggy Anza might not have the sack numbers this year, but he has been he is a good player. Mm. And if Ziggy Anza can be used in some interesting stump plays, some loops to tackle Effetti as well as go at the left tackle. They've got Darius Slay back as well, who has missed in a massive way in the See, second that, half against that the Cowboys. That is a huge, huge thing a person to come back because he was outstanding in the in the back stretch before he got injured. Um it is, as I said, the best time to play the Seahawks. But the, the Lions haven't had a turnover in the last month and you just feel like Matt Sherry, Russell Wilson, playoff football, we've seen it so many times. The Seahawks might be weakened but you'd fancy them against a Lions team who have lost three on the bounce. Yeah, if it wasn't for Russell Wilson I would, I would honestly pick the upset because I, I think Seattle is. I think they'll get paid in the, in the divisional round because I just I think the, the They've lost the plot. I mean, the, the offensive line's caught up with them completely. That they don't seem to be able to recover on defense from from Earl Thomas's injury, and they they just look right for a for a for a beating, really. But because because the, I mean, they're being a few weeks ago, you thought they were trying to figure it out on the offensive line, but it's absolutely terrible, isn't it? It might be the worst offensive line I've I've ever seen in the NFL, but. Yeah, like you say, I, th- I think Russell Wilson is, is the kind of guy that when the big games come round, and especially at home, it, it's difficult to back against them, especially with, as you say, the, the Lions have kind of run, run out of steam at the wrong time. And I, I think you mentioned Darius Slow. I think his injury has been a huge part of that. But I think it'll be, I think it'll be a relatively close game. I could see the Lions keeping it close, but I would think in, in money time, Russell Wilson makes enough players to win the game. I'm kind of with you because I think... There are two offences here which are struggling at the moment. I know the Lions have been good down the season, but they've lost that fourth quarter magic which which carried them through so much of the season. They, I, I was reading, uh, with eight game-winning drives, uh, Matt Stafford has three more than any other quarterback in the playoffs, which it, it just is ridiculous when you consider their season overall. My problem is the lack of playmakers actually on both sides of the ball because for... The for the Seahawks, there's no Tyler Lockett, which means they've got no one to stretch the field. That allows Glover Quinn and Tavon Austin, the Lions' safeties, to be far more aggressive. They don't have to sit deep; they can actually go at Wilson and that uh, and that line do some blitzing. But the run game in Seattle has been absolutely horrible. Ollie, do you know who Seattle's leading rusher is this season? Russell Wilson. Their leading rusher is Christine Michael, who hasn't been with the team since the 14th of November. Yeah, okay. That is yeah, yeah. shocking. For a team who are meant to be speaks, run first. It speaks to just how poor that line is. and That's the thing. They've had bad offensive lines all the way through this kind of golden few years. But they've been able to run block. They haven't been able to pass protect brilliantly. But they're not good at anything this year. I mean... The, the one, the one criticism I'd have as well of the Lions is I think Darius Slur played about seventy snaps in that Packers game when it was said before the game that his hamstring was still dodgy. That that is just completely senseless, isn't it? What? Why would you do that? Surely you would just say, well, you can sit it out for another week. If we lose, we're still in the playoffs anyway, which they knew by that point. And, and you and you kind of just say, well, we we might still win at home against Green Bay with or without you, and and seeding 
I mean, is season really that important when you're talking the difference between four and five or six? I know you don't get a home game at the start, but it just seems like a a ridiculous decision with a guy who is probably the best player on that roster. I think what you've got to think in that situation is that they are thinking to themselves, we have lost the last two on the bounce. The momentum carrying us into the playoffs that a win and a game in Ford Field would give us is is a strong enough positive for us to risk it. But I think as the game goes on and the game flow is clear that they are not going to beat the Packers, then I don't see why he was left in there right the way through to the end. Well, um, I, guess, I guess from their perspective, as much as it ended up being the game, that it, it was a seven-point game in the end. There were only six... Was it six points behind at one stage or seven right in the fourth quarter? Ollie will know better than It me. was seven but um, after the... I, I, with a long time to go in the fourth quarter um, yeah, after yeah, the, 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 the Hail Mary. Wasn't there, a, there was the third down play, wasn't there, where Rodgers caught them running off the field and it was actually an incomplete pass, but obviously they got another chance converted and then went 14 up. So I guess if, you, if you're 7 up, then, then the Lions were right in the game at that point. Um, the, the other, the, but then it's the other side of things because... You've got the the legion of boom is might not be what it was three years ago, but still Sherman Shed, who's been excellent this year, Lane. If they can be really physical off the line, I don't think you've got in Tate. I don't think you've got in um, Ancon Bolden. I don't think you've got in the other fellow they signed this off season, the uh, former Bengals, uh, Marvin, Marvin Jones. Jones. Um, None of those are really matchup concerns. But I mean, basically, Eric Ebron's the only person who you think one on one. Is a guy who you who you like in a one-on-one situation against those guys, but he's been very up and down, and and actually he's a terrible blocker as a tight end. And when you've got to go against Michael Bennett, Cliff Averill, Bobby Wagner blitzing out of the linebackers, you kind of want to have as much support in the passing game as you can get. Yeah, this, this, I think Gordon Tate's the one who who is a difficult cover for them, but I mean, Bolden can't run anymore. Um, Marvin Jones had a brilliant start of the year, but has since been teams have realised that he can't get off press man coverage. So they need to jam him at the line of scrimmage, and I think they'll keep him quiet. And he's been really quiet anyway for the last few weeks. But yeah, Golden Tate's the one guy who I think could cause some problems. But obviously, the Seattle defensive backs know know his game inside out, given that he used to play for the team. I I, I feel like there are ringing endorsements all round, but Ollie Matt. Are we all going Seahawks at home? Yes. <laughs> Ollie, tell me why you're questioning it. Well, just how bad the Seahawks have been. And yeah, it's, it's an only just for me as well, I must admit. I, I honestly think it could be an upset. And, and as I say, if it wasn't for absolute confidence in Russell Wilson in, in big-time situations, I would, I would definitely pick the Lions. One you know, of you have the balls. One of you pick the upset. Come on. I'm not, I'll never pick the Lions. <laughs> I think the Seahawks will win. But as I said in the, or, or mentioned on the uh, road to the Super Bowl thing that, we've, that we're doing, um, what is that? Is that on NFL UK, NFL.com? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, count, uh, Super Bowl countdown two ball challenge that's what it's called go to our twitter and yeah, that's you'll find one. our code join our league and uh, go up against us in the super bowl challenge it's it's a memorable thing for me um <laughs> i i did say that it only just but i think that's because their talent they've got more talent the, uh, the seahawks over the over the lions and i think that will come out plus they're at home if it was if it was in detroit 
I probably would lean towards the Lions. I if Matt, if Matt Stafford was fully healthy as well, then it would give you another cause. But I just think all of those factors added together mean you have to pick the three or. But then they've got Zach Zenner, the best white running back in the league, according to Michael Bennett. Whoa. There aren't that many of them, though. <laughs> Aaron, Aaron Ripkowski will uh, push him close. I, uh, I'm going to take the Seahawks, and do you know what? I don't think it's going to be as close as we're all selling it. I, I think there's got to be one game this weekend where it's not as exciting as we think it's going to be, and I think the Seahawks might tonk them. Um, I, I just think the three losses on the bounce a bit against good opposition. In the playoffs, that's not an excuse. I'm taking the Seahawks. Should we talk about the better games this weekend, i.e. the Sunday games? Yeah. Uh, right, well, before we do exactly that, let's uh, hear from, and uh, don't worry, Ollie, I'll remember to tell him that he is UK-born, London-born, Jay Ajay. He's been speaking with the media today, a bit of a conference call, but uh, we jumped on there and got in a few questions with him. So here is a man who last time they faced the Steelers ran for his only multiple touchdown game of the season, 204 yards and two touchdowns back in week six as the Dolphins hammered the Steelers 30-15. to Can they recreate that success with Matt Moore under centre. Let's hear the thoughts of London-born Jay Ajayi. Uh, just so you know, this interview wasn't really an interview. It was like a telephone press conference. So you hear a couple of other voices on here, including our friend Richard Graves from Sky Sports, just so it's not a bit confusing when you're listening to it. Okay, enjoy. Jay, first of all, um, congratulations on a, on a fantastic breakout season. Your biggest, well, your two-touchdown game and the big breakout game came in week five against this same Steelers team, so you must be uh, rubbing your hands a bit to be facing them this weekend. Yeah, it's just exciting. Um, you know, it's the team we played early in the year, so uh, we're excited for another chance to get a crack at them. It's the playoffs, so um, the stakes are higher, of course, and we know that they're going to come out, you know, you know with... Um, a great challenge, and we're, we're excited to go and meet that challenge. It feels like on the defensive Jay. side of the ball, they've uh, they've had a massive improvement over recent weeks. The certainly since week eleven, been one of the best defenses in the league. So it's a very different prospect going to there in the playoffs with an improved team than it was say eleven weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I guess they've been on a good run uh, this end of the, to the end of the regular season. Um, but you know what? All of that really kind of goes out the window. Is the playoffs? So it's all about one-game seasons. You know what I'm saying? So you know anybody can be beat on any day, and we're excited for that opportunity. You know we understand that uh, we're going up to their house, and it's going to be a, a tough environment. But we know what we want to do, and we know uh, that they're in the way of us achieving what we want to get at the end of this year. Jay, it's Richard at Sky Sports. I wondered if you could just talk to us about the season from game one when you weren't the starting running back to having three 200-yard rushing games to now being in the playoffs and having all the hashtag J-Train social media stuff around you. What's it been like for you over the last few months? Yeah, it's been good. Um, you know, from the beginning of the year till now, I'm, I'm you know, grateful for just the, the journey and everything that, has gone on, you know, it's, it's kind of, I've learned a lot about myself and, you know, I'm, for me to have still had a, a solid year um, and now we have that opportunity to play in, in the playoffs, you know, it's, it's a great feeling having a lot of support and seeing all the support on social media as well. That's been 
just really great. And it just makes me want to just keep pushing, keep going forward, uh, keep playing at a high level and, and continue to raise my game. Jay, going into the season, there, there was a, a lot of kind of speculation over what your role was going to be when Arian Foster came in and, and how much of a feature back you were going to be. You're obviously now the, the number one running back there. Was there a, a moment this year that Adam Gase came to you or that you realised that that was your job and that the team was on your shoulders? Um, I would say probably going into the Titans week, Coach Gase kind of explained to me that you know, I would get more opportunities running the ball. And, you know, from that week, it was just about when I got my opportunities, just showcasing my ability, making sure I was consistent, um, believing in myself and knowing what I could do. I just wanted to be out there on that field and and just make big plays for this team. Because uh, at that time, too, we weren't doing very well. And so it was, it was all, all about, you know, us coming together, and, you know, just trying to steer the ship right back in the right direction. We were able to do that. And, I, and um, I'm glad that the run game well, was, uh, you know, a great part of, of why we're here at this point today. What, what did you learn from a four-time pro bowler like Arian Foster in the limited time you had with him? Yeah, um, he was able to just give me a lot of good tips on, you know, what it takes to be a pro. Um, he like. So he's been in the league for a long time and he's gone through a lot of things. So, um, you know, he was able to just kind of uh, help help me through telling me some of his own experiences as well. What do you expect to see on, on Sunday, Jay? Do you expect us to load the box and, and focus on stopping you? Um, I don't know, you know. Uh, I, 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 I know that they'll respect the fact of what we did earlier in the year, you know. Um, from you know, from what they've been saying, they understand that you know it wasn't a, a fluke or anything, and so I understand that you know if, if their defense doesn't want like another performance, that you know they they probably will change some things, and you know whatever they do, it, it doesn't really you know matter to me. Um, for for our, ourselves as the Dolphins, we got to go out there no matter what. The Steelers decide to do it doesn't matter you know we have to go out there and execute our plays our scheme our details um, and if we do that then we'll be fine uh, no matter what those guys decide to to do if they stack the box or, or anything like that and that kind of brings us on to the elephant in the room uh, on the offense Ryan Tannehill still not going to be fit to return next week, that means Matt Moore continues under centre. What have you made of his development, his carrying of the team? And does that put more uh, emphasis on you and the running game in uh, this one? Um, I wouldn't say so. I mean, Matt's played, uh, I, I think it's the last three games, of course. Mm. And, you know, he's had really good games, you know, score touchdowns in the air um, and, and showcase what he can do. And so I don't think there's a lot of added pressure on me to, to produce. You know, I know what my role is on this team. I know, you know, that if I'm productive on the ground and if our O-line does what they need to do and is coming off the ball, and that usually when, when we do that, we have good games. And so um, it's all about everyone doing their job, not just myself, but everyone. Um, it's going to come out to an all-team effort, you know. Uh, it's the playoffs and... Everyone has got to come with their A game. J, 
Jay, where did your where did your team get this wonderful momentum from after that Titans game? What changed in the camp? I just think we all rallied around each other. We decided to be accountable to each other. Um, you know, Coach Gage, he made some changes here and there, and I think um, you know people just started to believe in what we wanted to accomplish. Um, you know, we did a we didn't. A, feel that our record at that time represented who we were as a team and so we wanted to go out there and change it and that's what we did. What type of guy is Coach Gase, Jay? Because if memory serves me correctly back after that Titans game, in the media he didn't pull any punches and he rang the changes in the team as well. Yeah, Coach Gase, um, you know, he's a younger coach so um, he re he relates uh, well to us. Um you know, he does a lot of good things in the building to just make it fun uh, to come to work every day. Um, and just with the team, you know, we can tell that he has a good vision of what he wants us to be and and what he wants us to be able to accomplish. And so it's all about us just doing our part, um, you know, playing our roles, uh, doing all the little details and making sure that we execute, you know, because he, he is putting together a good plan for us. Jay, I want to finish off by asking you about you being the kind of highest profile UK player in the NFL at the moment. I don't know if you're aware on social media or the way we treat it, but you're always referred to now as UK-born Jay Ajayi or London-born Jay Ajayi. You're not just called Jay Ajayi anymore. And, uh, yeah, how aware of you are that? How proud of you are that? Uh, and is it something, just uh, what is your reaction to, to that from the UK? Yeah, it's been... It's been uh really exciting to me personally. Um, you know, I, I really appreciate all the support and backing that I've gotten over the year. Um, just seeing all the social media and um, support from, my, from the fans out there and my own family as well that's in the UK, it feels really great and it makes me just want to keep, you know, pushing forward, keep raising my game because, um, like you said, it, it's exciting to be, you know, basically the only skilled player from the UK, um, you know, even though there's other UK guys in the NFL, um, you know, I, I take pride in it and, you know, I just want to keep uh, just playing at a high level and, and represent, re represent. Hazel Irvin here and I'm at Mammoth Insurance in Leeds where Kate has arranged an office chair race to fundraise for sport relief. And these riders have got their kit on. They are rearing to go. And they're off. Taking an early lead and smashing injustice right out of the park, it's Daphne from Accounting, riding the spreadsheet demon chair. Up comes Nina from HR on Beat Me and You're Fired, closely followed by Mark from Marketing on the 9 to 5 chair. Even Javid from Health and Safety's at it, waving his clipboard like crazy. Go easy there, Javid. We don't want any injuries, fella. And from nowhere, it's Jenny on El Chero Loco, rolling right over poverty to cross the line first. And the crowd goes loco. Unbelievable. You can help change the world too. Just order your free fundraising pack at sportrelief.com. Sportrelief. It's game on. This message was brought to you by Acast. Well... There we have it, London-born Jay Ajayi. Let's bring Matt back into it and Ollie. So we've heard what Jay Ajayi thinks. Uh, Matt, we'll start with you on this one. Dolphins-Steelers in week six. Yes, Miami got the win. Yes, Jay Ajayi looked incredibly impressive. But that was 11 weeks ago and in Miami and not in the playoffs. Do we think the Steelers triplets are going to be too strong for the Dolphins this time out? 
Um, yeah, I think they probably are, but I think it's another game that'll be a lot closer than, than maybe people think. Um, I think that the Dolphins are built to keep games close, especially in the postseason, you, you, where the running game and it gets cold, it kind of takes over, and the drive that kind of runner that that fits that style of play. But I, I think it, I think the Steelers. Look, one thing that gives me pause for concern with the Steelers is outside of the final quarter against Baltimore, Roethlisberger is playing like crap at the moment and has been for several weeks um, but I think you would have to think that the Antonio Brown Levy on Bell factor means that the Steelers win but I honestly think it's another one where it could be an upset there was a fascinating uh, interview again I feel like I've talked more about Peter King's podcast than I have our own recently but he um, he spoke with Richie Incognito from the Bills and it turns out Richie Incognito really knows his stuff when it comes to other teams around the league. Obviously, he does a lot of tape study, looks at a lot of other teams. And it was fascinating hearing his thoughts on the Pittsburgh offensive line, who he puts up there with the Cowboys and with the Raiders as the very best in the NFL. And the reason he rates them so highly is because... It's because of what Le'Veon Bell does, because Le'Veon Bell is such a patient runner, because he can sometimes sit back there for two, two and a half, three seconds before picking his hole and before going for it. It means that he's reacting to what the defence are doing, which means the offensive line have to not only re- uh, not only get off their get their blocks and go for what they're going for specifically, but be reacting to how the defence approach it and be instinctively knowing what Le'Veon Bell's going to do as well. And the level of chemistry between the offensive line and running back is just incredible. Um, I, I also think Miami's, uh, whilst we, we like their stout front four and, uh, and we're all big fans of the likes of Indomitian Sue, their linebackers have either been injured or poor this year. Um, I, you know, I like I like Kiko Alonso, but he's had injury problems. And beyond that, Jelani uh, uh, Jenkins has shown real flashes in recent seasons, but again has been injured and not played well when he's been in the side. I think they're going to have to. They're going to be bringing in a lot of extra tight ends, heavy sets to support Bell beat the Dolphins' stout front four. And if you get past that front four to the second level, then Le'Veon Bell could break off two or three you know, 30, 40-plus yard runs in this game because once he's past that first level, I don't know who's going to tackle him. Well, and then get the ball to Antonio Brown if you can, who can also do things once he's caught the ball. Yards after the catch. Yards after the catch, exactly. So, and him being my favourite player in the NFL that doesn't wear a Green Bay jersey, um, I think that is also an area to of concern for the Dolphins and their secondary. What do you reckon, Matt? I, I, I like the cornerbacks. I think the cornerbacks are a lot better than advertised, to be honest. Um, Maxwell's worked out. I think I think he's been pretty good on in the main, and he and he can be really good on his on his day. And, and um, Lippert has come in and, and done really well as well. I think the three cornerbacks are, are all pretty good. I'm not sure whether the 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 good in terms of them. I don't think any cornerbacks good in a matchup with Antonio Brown. To be honest, I think that's it. That's a tough ask for, for anybody. But, Hot take yeah, from Matt Sherry. Rashad Jones's injury <laughs> safety. <laughs> Rashad Jones's injury safety was a killer. Um, I think that if he was playing, then you'd give the Dolphins a much better chance. But, yeah, I like the cornerbacks and I like the defensive line all the way across, really. Um, I, I just I think it could be... I, I like Gase better than I like Mike Tomlin as a head coach as well. And, and I think they'll be well coached. And, and I do think it'll be a close game. But you'd... What what Incognito said about that Pittsburgh O line is is exactly right, which is why 
the only thing with Pittsburgh is you kind of feel that they've underperformed all season. Could they just pull it all together in the playoffs? And if, yeah. if to do with the quality of that offense, I think that they're a chance to win any game, and I include going into Foxborough and winning against the Patriots because that offense is just absolutely loaded. It's probably the most talented offense in the league, I think. For a team as well that are eleven and five, and we think actually they haven't played that well coming into the playoffs. That's that's kind of scary for some of the other teams in the AFC. A player I wanted to ask you about, ask you both about. He's had two interceptions, or back-to-back interceptions in the last two games of the season. Um, I think he is going to break out even more next year. Maybe he already has broken out, but Ryan Shazier, uh, the the linebacker from the Steelers, has just been really impressive for me. For well, the whole season and especially the, the, the final stretch. I think, do you know what's amazing about the Steelers' defence overall is that um, since, since week 11, they've led the league with 25 sacks, allowing just 17.3 points per game during that seven-game winning streak that they've been on. And Shazir has been brilliant. Bud Dupree coming back has been excellent. Or Alvin Dupree, whatever you want to call him, his brother. <laughs> um, and, but then you've got a, a, a trio of rookies and traditionally the Steelers were a team who just didn't bring rookies into the defence because it was such a complicated defence but Javon Hargrave Artie Burns Sean Davis have all been absolutely brilliant my only concern is in that seven week stretch which what good offences have they faced yeah I, it's a little bit like like the Patriots who we'll speak about next week who have really good stats defensively, but they're still question marks because of the the opponents they've played. One thing you haven't mentioned on the Steelers' defense is the guy who has been the best player on defense again this year, and that is the ninety-five-year-old James Harrison. <laughs> yeah. And 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 he's the kind of guy as well that you, in big money situations you think is going to come up with a play. But he's had it. He's had a fantastic year, and they've got. Stefan Tuitt inside, who's, who's had a good year as well. William Gears had a decent year. Shazie is an interesting one because you mentioned about breaking out, Ollie. He had that great playoff game, didn't he, last year against mm-hmm. Cincinnati? That's it, yeah. And, and I think he's had a decent year, but I'm, he's one of them players. He's so athletic, and, and you, you're kind of waiting for him to become what you're saying, Ollie, is right, waiting for him to become that elite level linebacker. I'm not sure it's happened yet, but. With the physical tools that he's got, you kind of think he's he's a guy who, again, in big playoff situations, he's, he's the kind of guy that you'd, you'd want on a defence. When we saw it last he, year, he's on the verge. I think he's on the verge of, of being that more consistent player. He, he's one of those guys who is either brilliant or terrible, isn't he, in a game? And he's not kind of... I, I look at some some linebackers, and I mean, Dante Hightower, who plays the Patriots, is a good example, who... It's just really good every week, and, and you kind of get that consistent level. Shazie is a roller coaster ride, but when he's when he's on it, and and if he can be in these playoffs, he can be a difference maker. I I also, uh, I mean, we're talking a lot about the Steelers. I do, the, my my problem with that defense is the best team they have faced. I've just looked at it uh, over those seven weeks. You'd maybe say Buffalo when they were in the snow, and and Lashawn McCoy had that massive game, but. They haven't really faced a good offense, and I think when they come up against the Chiefs, who are a very, uh, who 
uh, are an offense who do a lot of have a lot of interesting wrinkles to their offense, or when they come up against the Patriots, who obviously have all the weapons and Tom Brady under center and everything else. I just think that's going to fall apart. We've talked a lot about the Steelers. We haven't talked about the Dolphins, and we heard from Jay Ajayi, and it was interesting that he wasn't really used hugely in Week 17, despite the fact that they tried, played that game very hard. They put they they went in and they wanted to beat the Patriots, and I thought they were unlucky overall to not keep it tight to that one big defensive play in the fourth quarter when Matt Moore was driving was the, the difference that turned that was the swing when you would have thought that drive if it didn't turn up a touchdown at least it would have got the game down to within a score um, and, and actually I thought Ollie I have to say I felt you were a little unfair on Matt Moore on the podcast earlier this week I wasn't going to raise it at the time because I was like let's save it for Friday but I think he is more accurate and better at the intermediate level than Ryan Tannehill is. I think he doesn't have the maneuverability he does, and so if Tannehill's fully fit, I'd probably start Tannehill. But actually, Matt Moore's someone who I think if he, if he, if he goes into Pittsburgh and wins this game, somebody will trade for him this offseason and, and start him next year. I, I, I don't think anybody will trade for him, simply because he won't leave. He, he, he's, he loves I, a backup I, job. I think he loves my. I mean, doesn't he? Like, there's been multiple. There's been a time a couple of years ago when he hit free agency, and I thought, there's a guy who, who a lower level team should pick up, start. I think he's one of the best twenty to twenty five quarterbacks in the NFL. Whenever he's played, he's been really, really good, and I just think he's just a lazy. <laughs> who loves living in Miami. To be honest, it's, um, I'll time code that one like, then. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, the, but yeah, I just think he, I just think he is. I just think he enjoys the Miami lifestyle, quite happy earning a couple of million a year being a backup quarterback. But he's definitely, he's definitely for me one of the best five backup quarterbacks in the NFL, and, and I think he can go in there and win the game. I just don't think that he's got the some of the attributes that Tannehill has the, across the ground. Um, Tannehill can look like, and it's it's very... He's few, another feast or famine guy. Yeah, he's, he? it's very few and far between. Um, he can look very, very good or can look very, very bad. And Matt Moore, I think, especially in the game against Buffalo, I, I think he made some poor decisions. Um, I, I didn't... I thought some of the throws weren't great. Okay, he came up against... Um, a, a pretty good and improving Patriots team uh, in the last week. Uh, and if you look at it, eight touchdowns, three interceptions in his three or four, uh, three games started, uh, four games overall. That's okay. It's, it, it looks good. I just, when I'm watching him, I'm, I don't particularly He's not like passing what I your eye test, Ollie. He's yeah. not passing your eye test. And My, let's be honest, what? it's an eye test which has been pretty accurate over recent seasons. Thanks, mate. One final point I'd make on the whole matchup between that, that Dolphins offence and the Steelers defence is that Adam Gaze is to me one of the top three guys I'd want drawn up an offensive game plan if, if my life depended on it I think with with Josh McDaniels and Kyle Shanahan they, they do so much schematically and, and a lot of it with Gaze is, is illegal pick routes that they get away with but there's a lot of crossing routes and a lot of that kind of stuff and and they really put stress on a defence and and thought it was noticeable last week when they played New England as, as much as it was a more vanilla approach from the Dolphins clearly didn't want to put stuff on shore in case they played New England again I thought that was fairly clear they still managed to exploit weaknesses in the Patriots defence and that, that is the job of, of an offensive coordinator but you'd be amazed how often 
it doesn't happen around the NFL. And I, and I think Gates will be able to look at that Steelers defence, pick out the areas that he wants to attack, and, and I think they'll, they'll attack it successfully. So, as I say, I think it'll be a close game, and, and it's a 10-point spread this game. So if, if anybody likes a bet, I, I honestly think that's the bet of the weekend, is, is Miami to cover that 10 points. Cool, you said that better the second time than the first time, mate. <laughs> That was far more interesting as well. Well done. <laughs> Maybe you well should done. do that more often. Pulling back the curtain on the fact that I might have pressed the wrong button and we stopped recording randomly. <laughs> Who welcome. are we all taking? I think I know the answer to this, guys. <laughs> uh, Ollie. I'm going to take the Dolphin. No, the Steelers. <laughs> the Steelers. Uh, Matt Sherry. Steelers. Just. Uh, and I am also taking... There's always got to be a caveat, hasn't there? And I am also taking the Steelers, which means we've swept all three games and we've taken the home team every single time. That won't continue. Oh, oh. look, same gag. Oh. And it was just as strong the second time. <laughs> um, brilliant. Right, let's move on and talk about the final game of the weekend then. This is a real cracker. This is the best offence in the league over the past month or so against the best defence in the league over that same stretch of time. Eli Manning and Aaron Rodgers, this is a nice little stat for you, will be, it'll be the first ever time in NFL postseason history that a wildcard matchup between two, four, that there's been a wildcard matchup between former Super Bowl MVP quarterbacks. Oh, it's the way you tell it, mate. Uh, yeah, I was, maybe I should redo that one. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so the first time two former Super Bowl MVPs go head to head in a wildcard matchup. Uh, this is, again, a replay of uh, a game from earlier this season, but much earlier this season. The Giants went two and three with the, this loss in week five before going on a six game winning streak. And it sounds like Matt Sherry is going to be picking the Giants. So before I get to Ollie to talk about, to wax lyrical about his Packers, beyond just saying the word defense, why are the Giants going to cause the upset, Matt Sherry? Um, not just defense, but I think their defense is perfectly built to stop Green Bay and, and to create some of the, the problems that we saw Green Bay have before this revival that I think. I think the revival's come about from a variety of factors. The, the main ones being Ty Montgomery and Jared Cook, who I think have have, have given some new weapons to that offense, and and also truthfully, and, and I'll take Ollie's take on this, but the, 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 they've fallen really lucky with the schedule. I mean, it wasn't the most difficult six-game stretch. Even the the home game against Seattle was literally the game after El Thomas had got injured, and, and a weird game where there were five interceptions, but three of them were off wide receivers' hands. And, so what, what Matt's and, saying is they got a bit patriotsy down the stretch. Yeah, yeah, basically. I think New England have been exactly <laughs> the same this season. I, I think I think the Patriots' schedule is, is 37, 32nd out of 32 in the league. So I think New England are, are kind of similar. But yeah, I think the schedule broke for them. But I think that this defence is... It's, you always, I always look for the ascending unit going into the postseason. And I think... Especially on the defence, that's important. And I think this Giants defence is that. And I think the Packers' cornerbacks are so terrible. that As bad as Eli Manning's played all season, I think they're really going to struggle to... I mean, who's covering Odell Beckham? And then it's not like if you cover him with three guys, they don't have any other weapons. Victor Cruz is, is not Victor Cruz of two years ago, but he's still a decent player. Sterling Shepard's been one of the better rookies. I just think the Giants' as defence will... I think they'll hold the Packers under 24 points, and I think that 
the Giants will make enough plays on offense to win. And I wouldn't be surprised if they held the Packers under much lower than 24 points See, as well. I'm with you on one thing there. I think the Giants' defense will hold the Packers to their least points in recent weeks. Maybe sub-24 is the right number. I don't think the Giants' offense does match up well against this Packers' defense. And the reason is, and I get what you're saying about the corners, uh, Ladarius Gunter, Demarius Randall have been exposed in a massive way, uh, giving up you know nearly 400 yards to Sam Bradford, nearly 400 yards to Matt Barkley, Brock Osweiler's highest-graded game of the season came against the Packers. I get all of that. But the problem is, is that the Packers get exposed on the perimeters outside the numbers, particularly down the right-hand side for some reason. Eli Manning has been inaccurate, has lacked power, and almost all of their plays have come across the middle with lots of yards after catch. Odell Beckham has saved them so many times in games. And even though their run game has looked better in recent weeks, Paul Perkins got the Giants' first 100-yard running game in Week 17. Whether that was due to a better running game or due to resting Eli's arm, I don't know. But I, the deciding factor in this for me is whilst you've got one defense is much stronger than the other, you've got one quarterback who is much, 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 much stronger than the other. And I think Eli Manning will cost the Giants this game, even with the defense playing that well. Ollie Hunter. I, I just agree with you. I think... Well, that's fine then. Uh, <laughs> I think Eli Manning is is, is experiencing a, a huge drop-off. I mean, he's been terrible the last two games. Uh, I agree with Matt as well. The cornerbacks at Green Bay are, have been horribly uh, exposed in both their lack, lack of physicality but also lack of talent. Um, I th- Ollie, can I just ask you, I mean, you watch the Packers more than I do. I, I, I kind of really bought into the revival... Thing over, but I, I kind of looked into it the other day and, and the who they've played, and I thought back to that Chicago game where they nearly blew a twenty-one point lead. I think it was, and and if John Fox had the balls to go for it on fourth down on the goal line, when the Rodgers play would have been inevitable, they were playing for nothing. You play a rival, they might have won that game. And and I look at, at games like that, and even Detroit. I think any decent offense puts up, and not decent offense. That's the wrong word, but I think. It, a top-quality offence would have put up 30-odd points on Detroit in the last game. Are the Packers out of the woods completely with the problems they had earlier in the year? Or what, what do you think? You've watched them over years. Do you, do you think this offence is as rolling as everybody's pretending it is? Or, or are there still lingering issues there that if they come up against the right defence would show themselves again? I think offensively, um, they have... They're, they're some way back to that 2014 or even the early part of 2015 when they went on that six-game six unbeaten run. I think they're back to that. And I think Rodgers actually is showing... Um, OK, so he was always showed his class, but he's showing the swagger. I think if you remember the, with the touchdown to Geronimo Allison, he... Uh, he 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 busted out. Where he was out of the pocket for about nine seconds. Nine seconds, rolling left, <laughs> rolling right. Allison found space and then caught the touchdown down low. Rogers did the championship belt thing, and we haven't seen did that for a while. Check. Exactly, and um, I think I th- the offense is definitely back, but I do worry about that defense, and I also worry about the tendency. And it's it's and you mentioned it against the Bears. Actually, I didn't think we were ever going to lose that game. But it's that tendency to take the foot off the, yeah. off the gas. They did it against the Lions earlier in the season. Exactly. Well, there's, there's three things I think Green Bay need to do in this game, um, specifically to, to, 
to to win this one. I think they need to let the they need to invite the Giants to run. So I think uh, the safety pairing is Dix, uh, Ha Ha Clinton Dixon, and Morgan Burnett, isn't it? Need to be sitting deep, inviting them to run, knowing that they can cover the center of the field where Odell Beckham can play. I think that. We need to see, and, and that allows, they've got a good run defence. Mike Daniels is brilliant. I mean, we need to see more from Clay Matthews. He's been anemic in pass rush recently, not up to his best standard I think, at he, all. think he's finished, isn't he, Clay um, Matthews? I, I think he's Too many on that way. Yeah. But if he can put in a big performance in this one, that would be massive because they don't have good tackles, the Giants. No, I, think I, I think I could get... I think I could get a sack against the Giants as left tackle. I think Eric, Eric Flowers might be the worst left tackle in the league. His, his technique well, is so dreadful. Clemens isn't starting, he is, isn't he? I think it was out of those two guys. But, but here's, yeah. here's the matchup I really like. You mentioned Jared Cook, and I think the Giants, what's fascinating with the Giants' defence this year is for years we've been talking about how just going out and spending big in free agency isn't the way that you build a team. But being able to buy a player at every level who has made a big difference this year, whether it's Olivier Vernon on the outside, whether it's Snacks Harrison in the middle, or whether it's Janoris Jenkins, who's been brilliant, and they've got three cornerbacks that they trust in a big way with DRC and Eli Apple. But the guy who's really stood out has been Landon Collins, because not only has he had the big pick plays that he had in London, he led the team in tackles, he leads the team in sacks. But what they love doing with Landon Collins is bringing him up and putting pressure on the quarterback with him in the blitz. I think that if they go with a lot of three, four receiver sets, Collins is the guy who's going to have to match up against Jared Cook. And if they can force that matchup, Green Bay, with a well-designed offense and stop Landon Collins from blitzing and force him to try and cover Cook, that will give Rodgers the time he needs with an offensive line which has been, outside of the three we've already mentioned, maybe the fourth best unit in the league this season then Rodgers will have the time to do what he does, and I think that will be enough to put the points up to beat the Giants. Landon Collins is huge in this game, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with that as well, because the, the reality is that the, the Giants' edge rush is going to have to be so disciplined as anyone has to be against Rodgers and try and keep him in the pocket. And as much as Damon Harrison's brilliant against the run, he isn't a penetrative guy inside. No. So, so, so they do need to bring that rush from elsewhere, because the, as I say the edge rushers are going to have to be disciplined, which means that they're going to be focusing on setting the edge as well as getting to Rodgers. And that's when you need an interior rusher. And I think Collins can be that guy on the blitz and Spagnolo's really creative with, with his blitzes. I, I would put Rodgers Cromartie on Cook because I, I think if Cobb plays, he's not Randall Cobb of old anymore by any stretch. And then I think you put your outside guys, you, you put Jenkins on on Nelson, and then you, you take your chances with Eli Apple on, on Devonda Adams. But what you said there is true. That That is absolutely what the Packers should do, is try and isolate the tight end on Collins. But what you said then about a well-designed offense, that's not what they do offensively, is it? No. They, they, they don't change their offense to, to get the matchups that they do. If, if it was three guys we were talking about earlier, Gase, McDaniel, Shanahan, that's exactly what they would do, but Will the Packers actually do that? And, and if they don't, I think they're playing into the Giants' hands. Mm. Look, I am taking the Packers for the reasons I stated. I think that they are the... Um, I think that the, the offence versus the defence, I think they will put up 20-plus points, and I think that will be enough in Lambeau, in the cold, with Eli's weakened arm. Unless we see... The, the way the Giants win this, beyond 
the great defensive performance is Odell Beckham getting a couple of absolutely huge chunk plays where it's all about the yards after the catch. And I think that's the only way that offense gets going as far as I'm concerned. So I am taking the Packers and then I think that their matchup beyond this is better. But then I would have taken the Packers in 2007. I would have taken the Packers in 2011. And both times the Giants proved us wrong. So Yeah, thanks for that, mate. Yep. <laughs> I, am, I am absolutely... T- if the Giants win this, bearing in mind what happened in the Super Bowl in 2007 and 11, I'm absolutely terrified of the the kind of... It would all come together again and then they'd beat the Patriots again in the Super Bowl and it would be... I, I am terrified of that prospect. So part of me wants to pick the Packers to stop that happening because it would be weird, wouldn't it? How weird would that be? Three times going to the Lambeau, three times beating the Patriots in the Super Bowl. That would be bizarre. And, and um, uh, the... It, what's quite interesting about, uh, I mean, the thing is, Rogers doesn't turn the ball over. He doesn't throw over the middle when he's throwing late. And I think that were the lack of turnovers for Green Bay. They might end up punting the ball a lot, but I just don't think they're going to turn the ball over. With one of the worst punters in the league. <laughs> Go trade for a punt. Oh, trade deadline's yeah. gone, damn it. Yeah. Uh, Ollie, I assume you're taking Green Bay. I'm taking Green Bay, and I think it's not going to be as close as people make oh. out I think it's two oh, like two touchdown at least take those balls points. out whop them on the table yeah Let at least know. 14 points did I you th- just say two touchdowns at least Ollie? yeah <laughs> I think I'm going to bet I'm going to bet you a dinner in Houston that it is less than two touchdowns oh, yeah alright <laughs> you know he's now going to order like a 45 ounce steak or something not that any steak has ever been served all he does though well enough to know that it'll probably be just a, a really good sandwich hopefully as good as the ones that we had a couple of times oh, in San Francisco unfortunately, which I'm wearing the t-shirt at the moment for that shot and am I no he's not and then Matt you sound like you're taking the Giants yeah I am going to serve the Giants there we go so we finally disagreed on something How it only points, took an hour Matt? But <laughs> how many points is it going to be, Matt? Um, less than seven. I mean, three points, maybe. All right, thanks. Right. So Eli, will, Eli will do that thing at the end of the game. He'll close his eyes, haul it up, and Beckham Jr. will somehow come up with the catch and they'll win. Brilliant. Right, Sherry, it's been a pleasure as always. Thank you very much for joining us and chatting playoff football. I'm sure we'll catch up next week. And, uh, uh, and we'll be chatting to you plenty in Houston because we're just like three weeks away from going. It's so exciting, isn't it? Yeah, that was... Oh, I can't wait. I, uh, I, I have to... I'm not going to lie. I am just as excited about the Royal Rumble as I am about the... the what? Uh, about the uh, is, football. Do you know that Goldberg is actually like... Goldberg yeah. is in the Rumble. I, that's the... That's the that, my only concern with the whole thing is that they don't draw out his entrance in the way that they usually do. Like, I, I obviously, think he, the I think he might go in one or two just for that very reason. They have to have the big entrance. I mean, that's that's the bit I'm most excited about. You know where our seats are? Do we are Probably. we are bottom bowl directly opposite the Titan Tron? Oh, God. Like smack bang centre. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be doing the, uh, the punch and the kick as, as, he, as the fire is spread out of my camera. Uh, it's going to be hilarious because I'm really excited about it. John Jackson, who's coming with us, is really excited about it. Ollie doesn't have a clue. I have so no idea what you're just talking about. It's going to be like four hours long. So we've Are got we going to see The drunk. Undertaker? Uh, yeah, oh, The Undertaker is going to be in the room I like that well. music that he does. Are you, are you yeah. 
thought he'd pass it over. You could barely walk. Anymore, Sh- Sean Michaels is turning up, apparently. Oh, Jesus. Sweet <laughs> music, Charlie. Uh, yeah. Awesome. yeah. All right, anyway. I'll send you the money for that, Will, by the way. Yeah, we'll sort it out when we're there or something. It's fine. Yeah, no worries. Um, cool. Right, good man. Cheers, Sherry. Cheers, fellas. Have a good weekend. Matt Sherry, editor of Gridiron there. Uh, and uh, Ollie, I, we're, we're done, really. But uh, as always at this point in the podcast, let's do some plugging. Touchdown Trips, go and check them out online. Uh, touchdowntrips.com or go to their Facebook, etc. And register your interest now for our trip next year. We're going to the Deep South. It's going to be awesome. I'm really looking forward to it. So come and join us for that. Um, Ollie, any final thoughts? I can hear myself again. Yeah, <laughs> now I mean, that Sherry's gone. That's pretty great. Uh, no, no final thoughts. Off to Norwich this weekend. Looking forward to it. Uh, I'll be back for the, for the Green Bay game. Good news. Good news. Good news. Um, how are we? How, yeah, we haven't really decided what we're doing for that, but we'll figure it we'll out. Figure it out. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Brilliant stuff. Any so. final thoughts from you? Uh, no, I. Um, we, what we we kind of didn't do because we were away for a while. We didn't do our usual pop culture chat. Uh, that we would normally do, but I think people enjoyed us talking about football. Sherry even said, "Oh, it was a really good podcast this week," and I think it's because we talked specifically about football. <laughs> I mean, we really uh, did. <laughs> uh, and and this has been a good show again as well. Thank you to uh, the Miami Dolphins and Jay Ajayi. Uh, we hope for him that they do well this weekend, but we all pick the Steelers. Um, and uh, yeah, otherwise, you missed uh, the preface to his name, though. Oh, sorry, Londonborn JHI. Yeah. So, otherwise, uh, come find us on Twitter at Gridiron. Tweet us from there with your thoughts for this weekend. We didn't actually go through that many of people's tweets with who they think is going to win, but it's overwhelmingly the home sides which are being picked, which is amazing because it was all the away sides last season. So, um, there's a few people. Uh, Egan's minds taking uh, the Raiders and the Dolphins, then the home teams. Um, who else have we got taking some road teams? Uh, Raiders, Scott Campbell. We said that uh, already. Uh, Steelers, Pack, Seahawks, all too strong at home. Raiders, Michael Chaintree. Um, Steelers, Raiders and Seahawks. I'm going to go with my heart and says Giants, says Mark Budden. So there we go. We've got somebody taking a road team. My Steelers will progress having Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell and Ben Roethlisberger all, all fit and ready as a mind-blowing prospect. That was from Stuart Love. So I think the general consensus of the home team, some people fancy the Raiders for an upset, a couple of people. Oh, Tom Knight says the Lions. Don't really know why. I just think the Hawks look so unpredictable without Earl Thomas, fancy Matt Stafford to light it up. There you go. So some people are picking the upset, but it's mostly people going for the home team. And we're going to finish the show today. And you'll have heard this if you're in any way an NFL fan, but I don't care because it's genuinely hilarious. Uh, it was from the uh, Colin Heard, the Cowherd show, uh, and uh, it was the Browns, a history of their quarterback since they came back into the league, because they truly are a dumpster fire. This has been the Gridiron Show. Enjoy. Tied at my Tim Couch, Dougie P, Philly Scorch, Tim Couch, back again, then they dropped his virgin win. Kelly Holcomb, Luke McCown, Jeff Garcia came to town, Gilbert, Charlie Fry, all of them went bye-bye. Anderson and Brady Quinn, lots of guys who didn't win, Ken Dorsey, Gradkowski, and we're halfway done. Jake DeLong, Colt McCoy, Seneca, unemployed, Thad Lewis, Weed in five win seasons. Austin Davis, Josh McCown, yes they've had two McCown, Shaw, Hoyer, Campbell, oh f- it's Manziel. Whitehurst, Kessler, RG3 on IR, and Curry, and let's sing this.
song they're gonna find another one. The guns are the guns to fire. You can be the cutie, but only three streets of guns are the guns to fire. You know the season's done, and they're in the one, 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 the one.